This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, and I have a really good show for you guys today. It is November, which means for some of you, it is Christmas season. For the rest of you, it is Thanksgiving season. But for all of you, Halloween is over. You gotta love that dichotomy between the people that go straight to Christmas and the people that actually still celebrate Thanksgiving and decorate for Thanksgiving. It's it's a fun dichotomy. My fiance on Monday morning, which was November 1st, was already playing Christmas vinyl, so I guess she falls under that side of the spectrum. I feel like it depends on the year for me. Not a huge Thanksgiving guy, but, you know, I still like the turkey. I still enjoy watching the football games, although the Detroit Lions are, are so bad, I'm probably not going to watch their game, but... Oh well, I digress. We have a good episode for you today, starting off with a coast-to-coast with Nick Berlansky in our first segment. A little bit later, we're going to talk about two RFAs, or at least former RFAs, that signed big deals in the offseason and have not quite lived up to the hype in the first month of the 2021-22 regular season. And then, like I said, it is November, which means one thing and one thing only here at the Hockey Hotbed. We have all-new power rankings ready for you to close out the show. But we're going to get it all started with our Coast to Coast segment. I want to kick off this episode where I spent most of the last one. And that is, of course, updating everybody on the Chicago Blackhawks situation. A couple of more news tidbits have come across over the weekend. First and foremost, Coach Joel Quenville, who was the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks at the time, in 2010, has stepped away from his position as head coach of the Florida Panthers following his meeting with NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. He put out a statement on social media that I do not have in front of me, so I will not read, but Coach Q is out in Florida. On the other side of the coin, Winnipeg Jets General Manager Kevin Dayoff will remain in his role after meeting with Gary Bettman and will not seemingly face any further disciplinary action, according to Gary Bettman. Bettman's stated reasoning of the fact that Dayoff was honest, and he also stated several other facts about their meeting, basically saying that Kevin Dayoff did not have as much of a responsibility as somebody like Joel Quenville. I don't understand the, the thought process behind that from Bettman, I don't have the exact verbiage and the exact phrasing that he used, but Kevin Sheveldayoff, the point is he will not be facing any disciplinary actions, and as of right now, he will remain as the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets. The only other thing that I have here as far as notes on this situation is that Gary Bettman and the head of the NHL Players Association, Donald Fair, met via video call with Kyle Beach late last week. And following that, we had a tweet from Kyle Beach 
stating, quote, I have immense gratitude for the outpouring of endless love and support that has come through within the past 48 hours. Although the results of the private investigation have been released and the Blackhawks have apologized, my battle really is really just beginning as the Blackhawks continue to attempt to destroy my case in court. While I take this time to reflect and continue the healing process, it's a reminder that this is not about me as an individual. This is to promote open communication that will facilitate change for the future, to promote safety, as well as a health, as well as, excuse me, the health and well-being of society as a whole. Thank you. So most of the parties involved in that 2010 incident are no longer in their roles or associated with the National Hockey League, minus Jets general manager Kevin Shevel Dayoff. But as I stated before, and as I will state once again here, we'll keep you up to date with all the latest news and updates from the Chicago Blackhawks situation. I want to take a hard right here and get into the remainder of the league. We took a pause last Friday for obvious reasons, talking about the whole league and the on-ice product, but I do want to take a hard right here and get back to that on-ice product because we have seen some exemplary examples. That's an awful, awful phrase that I just used. But we have some, some really good examples of fantastic hockey. The Carolina Hurricanes are the last remaining undefeated team in the NHL. They're the only team to make it through the entire month of October without losing a single game. 8-0-0 on the season now. That is the tied for the fourth longest win streak to open a season in NHL history. Tying the Florida Panthers who were 8-0-0 before losing their first game earlier in the weekend. The three teams that had a longer winning streak to start the season, the 2015-16 Montreal Canadiens started 9-0-0. The 1993-94 Toronto Maple Leafs started 10-0-0. And the 2006-2007 Buffalo Sabres, believe it or not, started their season 10-0-0. So the Carolina Hurricanes currently two wins off of the longest win streak to open a season in NHL history. A plus 21 goal differential. For the Canes this year already. Oh, and by the way, of those teams, none of them won the Stanley Cup. So it's nice. But if you look back at history, there's nothing saying that the Carolina Hurricanes are odds-on favorites because of this start. But like I was saying, a plus 21 goal differential in those eight games. This team has done it with fantastic scoring, led by their top line. Really good defense and spectacular goaltending. Goaltending, excuse me, from Freddie Anderson. Let's start with their star players because if you're going to be a great team in this league, you need your star players to show up. If you're going to be a President's Trophy winning team, if you're going to be a Stanley Cup championship team in this league, your star players need to act like it and they need to show up on the score sheet like it. The two best players. On the Carolina Hurricanes are doing just that this year. Andrei Svechnikov leads the team in both goals and points with seven goals. 
and 11 points in eight games on the season. And his partner in crime, Sebastian Ajo, five goals and 10 points in eight games played. It seems like every time you watch a highlight pack, or if you watch the games, every time you're watching the Carolina Hurricanes, one of these two guys is involved in a scoring play for the Hurricanes. It's a, it's a hell of a start. Not to mention the fact that their social media team is off to a hell of a start as well. Making a website after beating the Montreal Canadiens. Everything that they leaned into with just Barry Emmy's first game back in Montreal. He hasn't blown me away particularly, but at the same time, he wasn't a guy that was at the level of a Svechnikov or an Ajo. Specifically, this team, realistically, as far as defensively, we had question marks about replacing and the role and the minutes of Dougie Hamilton. The offensive production of Dougie Hamilton. And while, yes, clearly, there's no one player that they brought in that is going to step in and do that. Ian Cole has been very good for them so far. Tony D'Angelo, his off-ice issues aside, has been very good for them so far. Ethan Bear has been good for them so far. This team, we had questions about how their blue line was going to stack up considering how new it was. Their blue line looks really good. Their blue line can produce scoring chances, and their blue line is doing a really good job at suppressing scoring chances. But if they come through, if they allow the scoring chance, if they crack, the biggest question about this team was still in net. You decide not to bring back your Calder Trophy finalist goaltender and Alex Nedeljkovic. He goes over to Detroit. You don't bring back Peter Morozik, who has been basically the lifeblood of this goaltending room, I mean, prior to last season, for the last three. And you also lose a guy in James Reimer who is steady as can be. He goes to San Jose. You bring in a guy in Freddie Anderson that you have to question the miles that have been put on his body. You have to question the injury history that he has. And same with the backup and anti-Ranta. Now, Ranta's only played in one game, and he, he did what he needed to do. Come in and play just enough for the Hurricanes to win. But Freddie Anderson... The question was, did Toronto run him into the ground? Carolina has had him start seven of the first eight games. And to his credit, Freddie Anderson has stood up to the challenge. Seven, 0-0. A 1.29 goals allowed average. So when you look at this offense, you say, hey, can you put up two goals in a game? If you can do that, we're going to come away with two points. Now, would I have appreciated them putting up more than two goals on Sunday afternoon whenever I had them minus one and a half against the Arizona Coyotes? Yeah, I would have liked that. The best team in the league to start the season against the worst team in the league to start the season in Carolina. I figured, you know, Carolina minus one and a half is a pretty safe bet. Arizona can't score. Carolina has been scoring basically at will. You know, that's that's just a, that's just me. 
and my bet on DraftKings Sportsbook. You're screwing me, Carolina. And I shouldn't be talking to you about you this much because you, you cost me some money, but I want it back in a, in a parlay that day anyway. Back to Freddie Anderson. <laughs> 1.29 goals allowed average. A 9.56 save percentage. And one shutout on the year. Not only has he been good enough for the Canes to be winning all their games, he has been stellar. This is, honestly, one of the best versions of Freddie Anderson that I have ever seen. It helps to have a good defense. It it truly does. And that's something that he never really got in Toronto, yet he was still able to put up some pretty decent numbers. But this defense has come out, and they have basically hit on every addition up to this point. Every addition that they made has helped. Jacob Slavin has stepped up, and Freddie Anderson has also been there and been very good. You want more of a sample size and more numbers to support that fact, he has 5.90 goals saved above average. That is second only in the NHL to Jacob Markstrom, who is inhuman in Calgary right now. We'll, We'll talk about him when we get to our power rankings. Spoiler alert, the Flames make my power rankings for the first time. But it goes Jacob Markstrom, who is basically an alien this year, and then Freddie Anderson, and that's at five on five. Freddie Anderson, I mean, if you're looking at trophy trackers, which I, I don't like to do, I'll probably do one around Christmas time on this show, but if you're looking at trophy trackers through October, as fickle as that might seem, Freddie Anderson has to be the favorite for a Vezina trophy. Again, eight games into the season. What is that? 10%? 10% of the season in? But still, an impressive start nonetheless for Freddie Anderson, an impressive start nonetheless for the Carolina Hurricanes. It's only the first month, but they are shedding any doubt that they are still here to be a contender, that they are still here to try to win their second straight division title. They're the only undefeated team left. Now, there are some teams that haven't won a game. Hard to believe. It's really hard to believe that there are multiple teams that went the entire month of October without winning a single game. A lot of people talked about how bad the Montreal Canadiens were to start the season. At least they have two wins. The Chicago Blackhawks are 0-7-2. A lot of people thought the Blackhawks would have improved this year. A lot of people including me, gave him a shot at a playoff spot this year. It's not looking good after the first month. 0-7-2. Marc-Andre Fleury, not pleased with the start. I don't think anybody in the Chicago Blackhawks dressing room is pleased with the month that they had in October. At least they shouldn't be. And the Blackhawks are a surprise. No wins in nine games. The other team with no wins... Not quite as surprising. The Arizona Coyotes. 0-8-1 on the season. Their worst start in franchise history. 
You got a couple good players there. Jacob Chikrin, Phil Kessel, Clayton Keller. If you're going to commit to the rebuild, I mean, I, w- I would keep probably Chikrin and Keller and, and build around there. But I don't know what you're doing with Phil Kessel. I don't think he's played yet. I would have to double check that, but I don't think he's played a game yet. But yeah, one undefeated team, Carolina Hurricanes, and two teams that have yet to win a hockey game. The Chicago Blackhawks and the Arizona Coyotes, both in the Central Division. So if you're in the Central, you're liking your chances to make the postseason there with two teams basically tapping out in the first month of the season. One last storyline I want to get to before I take a quick break and come back and talk about some unsu- or surprisingly bad RFAs to start the year. I want to talk before that about Jack Eichel. Oh, this storyline is just every week more and more layers to this. Frank Saravalli over the weekend, multiple other people also tweeting about this, but Frank Saravalli, if you remember him from the Seattle expansion draft, tweeted, all indications are Vegas and Buffalo are well down the track in discussions of what a framework of a Jack Eichel trade would look like. Where does it stand now? Many moving parts, roster, cap space, injury complications. Michael Amadio being claimed on waivers was interesting. Will it get done? He doesn't know. I don't think anybody knows. If there ever was a time to trade Jack Eichel, and they're going to trade Jack Eichel at some point, trade him now. He should have been traded already. I mean, in my opinion, he should have been traded already, but trade him now. Fan supported Buffalo is what it is. They're going to support your team. They're also going to get mad if you do stupid shit. But as of right now, the Buffalo Sabres are in second place in the Atlantic division. They are 5-2-1 right now. They're off to a good start. They're surprising everybody. Who thought the Buffalo Sabres would be in second place in the Atlantic Division come November 1st? I didn't. I would have said eight games, one, six, and one. That's what I would have said. I'm being honest. But they're not. They've had a good start to the season. Buffalo fans are happy because the team's not supposed to be good, yet they're starting good. If you can facilitate this trade, end the agony for Buffalo fans. Get the Eichel deal done so you can move forward with your organization. All things I've said before. But if you can do it now and manage to get a good package in return, then the spirits are going to continue to go high in Buffalo. Listen, do I think the Sabres are going to be able to continue this pace and be a playoff team this year? No. Not with that roster. Not in that division. But do I think that they could push this good press that they've gotten throughout the end of October, the whole way through November, so their fans don't have to be depressed for the entire 82-game season? Yeah, I think you can. End this saga. Get Jack Eichel out of Buffalo. Make the deal. 
obviously Jack Eichel would still need to get surgery and recover, so we wouldn't probably see him for a little while, if prob- maybe even not this season. I don't know. I don't remember the recovery time for the disc replacement versus the disc fusion surgery. But he still needs to get the surgery and he still needs to recover, which is not going to be a quick process with a neck injury. But this would basically give Vegas... I'm going to switch over to the Vegas side of this. This would basically give Vegas their first star center. They have really big star wingers. They brought in Max Pacioretty. They brought in Mark Stone. They're spending money. They spent money to keep Robin Leonard there. They already had a face of a franchise in Flurry in and out in four years. They've never had that peak center, that star center. Yes, you can say William Carlson's first season, he scored 40 goals. William Carlson is a great player. He is not what I consider a star center. William Carlson as a second-line center on your team is fantastic. But William Carlson as a second-line center behind Jack Eichel as a, a top-line center is, is... It's attractive when looking at a lineup. I'm not going to lie. Jack Eichel in a lineup with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone is attractive, not going to lie. This team in its fifth year of existence has not shied away from the big name trade, the big name signing. They just signed, they signed Alex Petrangelo literally a year ago. Was I surprised to see Vegas' name connected actually significantly to Jack Eichel? A little bit. And then you think about it and you're like, not really. It's kind of how Vegas has done business. What's the biggest name out there? We're going to go get him. I mean, not going to lie, it's worked. Like I said, they've completed four seasons in this league. Three of them, they went to at least the Western Conference Finals and one of them when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. So it's working. But what has been the issue at the tail end of all of those runs? Scoring. Their scoring just evaporates. They don't have that guy. Jack Eichel is that guy. Not to say that I know he would be in the postseason because we've never seen him play a single postseason game. But he's that dude. I think people are forgetting just how good Jack Eichel is at the game of hockey. If he goes to Vegas, once he's healthy, and once, obviously, Pacioretty and Stone are healthy because they're both out now too. This team basically makes itself a contender. Not like it already wasn't going to be. This team makes itself a contender for the next 10 years. Think of the names that are on that roster if they can get healthy. Jack Eichel. Mark Stone. Max Pacioretty. Robin Leonard and Nett. Shea Theodore. Alex Petrangelo. I mean, I don't know who would be coming back. I would imagine it would be this year's first and next year's first to start. I'm not sure who they have as far as prospects. The only one, the only guy that they've drafted that realistically has made any noise is Nick Suzuki, and he's not even doing it on their team. Peyton Krebs, I guess you could also say, but not to that level. So I don't know who would go back in the other direction. I don't think anybody really does at this point, but obviously there's going to have to be some salary cap that goes the other way to counterbalance the $10 million AAV 
that Jack Eichel brings. I would highly doubt that the Buffalo Sabres are willing to retain salary cap on a guy for the next, what, five years? How long has Jack Eichel signed for? I'm not looking that up right now. But it's, it's not a short amount of time. If they do, I mean, great for Vegas, but they literally just had to pull some one of the most unfair trades in the history of the NHL to get rid of $7 million of Marc-Andre Fleury. They don't have cap space. So how they're going to make it work, I don't know. But if they do, it's, it's going to look good. It's going to be attractive, like I said. I'm going to take a quick break, but when I return, I'm going to talk about two former restricted free agents that got paid but have not quite hit the mark yet this season. I'll be right back after the break. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. I want to talk in this segment about two restricted free agents, or former restricted free agents, that they got a big payday. And good for them. Listen, I am all for these players that have earned it to get their paydays. But once you get your payday, you still have to perform, and these two players have not. They're both in the Western Conference. One is in the Pacific Division. One is in the Central Division. And I'm going to start off in Vancouver with Elias Pettersson. He just signed in the offseason. Actually, in, in training camp. Did partially hold out. He signed a three-year deal worth $7.35 million. Now, if you sign a deal like that, you're expected to produce probably somewhere around 50 to 60 points in a season. And a guy like Pedersen, who is a trigger man, who's a guy with one of the better shots in the National Hockey League, you're expected to score 20 to 25 to hopefully 30 goals. That's that's what Jim Benning is hoping for up in, in Vancouver. And that's that's basically a minimum, what I'm talking about. Now... He has not done that. He is not on pace for any of that. He is not 
playing well. He's not scoring. He's not anything. Vancouver themselves, after a bad year last year, is once again a good team on paper that is not performing on the ice. They're in dead last in the Pacific Division as of November 1st. Not a good start to the season for him or for the team. Now, Pedersen himself, he is coming off of an injury-riddled season. He only played 26 of the 56 games last season. Didn't produce too well in those games. I believe he had 10 goals last year. But that's better than what he's shown so far this year. Nine games. The guy has one goal and four points. Now, that's pretty bad in its own right. But when you look at the fact that of those five points, only one of them has come at five on five, it is not good enough. It's great when he can sit on the wing or on the wall on the power play and facilitate or in snipe. But he's only had one goal. That was on the power play. At five on five, he's produced one assist. That's it. One assist for a guy that you just signed to a seven plus million dollar deal. That is not good enough from Pedersen. And if you're the Canucks, you got to sit there in the salary cap hell that you're in. You just signed him. You just signed Hughes. Hughes is at least performing a little bit better. And you look at this team that should be good. They should be definitely better than last in the Pacific Division. But you look at this team on paper, and it's just baffling at the way that they have played the game. The way that they have played thus far into the season. And then you look at Pedersen, and you look at the way that he has played, and you look at the numbers, and you just, you wonder what is in the water up there in BC that is not allowing these guys to produce at the level that they are supposed to, or the level, at least, that you would expect. I don't want to say supposed to, but this team has been a disappointment the last couple of years. It's as easy as that. And Elias Pettersson has been paramount in that discussion. Obviously, last year, yeah, he dealt with injuries, but he was not good when he played. The team as a whole, dealing with COVID issues, dealing with injury issues, they had a bad year last year. You could give excuses like the injuries, like the COVID issues. But this year, it was supposed to be a fresh start. This team was supposed to get better again. Yet their star player that they just signed that partially held out on the team has one five-on-five point. And it's not even a goal. Your trigger man has one goal in nine games. I'm not great at shorthand math, but I'm pretty sure that's averaging in a full 82-game season like 10 goals. If Elias Pettersson finishes with 10 goals on the year, Heads are going to roll in Vancouver. It's already tough enough to play in a Canadian market. But underperforming right after signing a contract? That's not going to get it done. It's not, it's not going to get it done. It's not a good start for him. 
So that's one of the two RFAs I wanted to mention. I, I want to see a lot more from Elias Pettersson. It's not been a good start. But the other RFA got signed for longer term, got signed for more money, yet he did have a smaller sample size. If you're from Minnesota, you know I'm talking about Kirill Kaprizov. He was one of the headlines of the offseason. Bill Guerin versus Kirill Kaprizov. Who's going to win this showdown? The epic battle between the guy that just won the Calder Trophy versus the general manager that has been turning around a franchise that has been in mediocrity basically since its existence. Kirill Kaprizov made the Minnesota Wild exciting to watch again last year. Now, it helped that the rest of the team was getting better as well. But he was he was the face of it. He is the face of the franchise. And that's why, at the end of the day, Bill Guerin signed him to a five-year deal worth $9 million against the cap every single year. I checked in on uh, Minnesota Wild Twitter the last time they had a game. It was not a pretty sight. Kirill the Thrill has zero goals on the year, six assists. So, in all fairness, he's scored more than Elias Pettersson. He has more than one point at five on five than Elias Pettersson. He has four assists. But in total, six assists in eight games played? Again, not gonna be enough. Minnesota this season, they got off to a hot start. They were 5-1-0. and Since then, of course, they've lost two back-to-back games in regulation. So they're 5-3. and So at least the Minnesota Wild are winning hockey games. The Canucks are not winning hockey games very much. They're in dead last in their division. Minnesota currently, as of this recording, is in third place in the Central. Like I mentioned in the first segment, the Central also has two teams that haven't won a game, but still. You need to be in the top three to make the postseason, and after one month, Minnesota is in the top three. That's where you want to be. Especially in the first couple months of the season. Just stay afloat. But if they're going to stay afloat, they need Kirill Kaprizov to, I don't know, score a goal at some point. I know it's from my lips to... Minnesota fans' ears. They want to see Kirill Kaprizov put the puck in the back of the net like he did last season. He was great last year. He was, I mean, there's a reason he was the Calder Trophy winner and not even the fact that it was even a close race. He was by far the guy. I'm trying to bring his numbers up real quick because I didn't have them ready. But he was easily the best rookie in the NHL last year. And not only that, he was one of the best players in the NHL last year. He finished the season with 27 goals and 51 points in 56 games played. 55 games played. Almost a 30 goal scorer in 55 games. The guy hasn't lit the lamp once in his first eight this year. Underperforming is definitely a word to describe it. I'm sure Minnesota fans have a couple other words to describe it. But Kirill Kaprizov, I mean, 
you need him to do more. At least in Vancouver, they have a guy like Bo Horvat. They have a guy like Quinn Hughes on the back end. They have guys like JT Miller, Brock Besser that are going to score goals that are able to take on that mantle as the face of the franchise. Minnesota Wild, yeah, they have, you know, Joel Eriks next, a good player. Yeah, they have a guy like Kevin Fiala. He's a really good player. He's a talented hockey player. They have a good team in Minnesota. But the face of that team has been a dud through eight games this year. Six assists is not bad. If he had four goals and six assists, this wouldn't even be a conversation. It's the fact that he had 27 goals in 55 games last year, and he has yet to light the lamp. I mean, it goes to show you how good Minnesota is as a team entirely that they're 5-3 and three with their best player not scoring a single goal. But you need more from him. So I have two questions to end off this segment. First and foremost, which player would you rather be on the hook for? I asked this on my Twitter page, at HockeyHotbedPod. It is still live on my Twitter page. So go check that out and go cast your vote. I'd rather be on the hook for Kirill Kaprizov. I get that it's longer. I get that it's more money. I get that he is older than Elias Pettersson. I think the ceiling for Kaprizov is higher. I think a guy in his stature, he is the face of your franchise, and he proved last year that he can be. Was it one good season? Listen, we don't have that answer, but we know that answer. Kirill Kaprizov is going to turn it around. The reason that, to me, it's more shocking that he's had a bad start to the season is because, one, he didn't come off an injury like Pedersen did. And two, because of how good he actually is. Because of how much the Minnesota Wild wanted to bring him back. Because of how big of a storyline it was all offseason long that Kirill Kaprizov might be holding out. He might be going back to Russia. He might have been a one and done in the NHL. Realistically, that wasn't going to happen. But would I rather be on the hook for Kirill Kaprizov right now? Yes, I would. I would not want to be on the hook for Elias Pettersson, even though it's only three years, even though it's only $7 million. Because you look at the Minnesota Wild, the way that they're built, the division they're in, the place that they're in, they're built to win hockey games. The Vancouver Canucks, you would think they're built to win hockey games, but they just haven't been. It could be back-to-back really disappointing seasons in Vancouver. I really hope that's not the case. But as of right now, it's looking like it. And the other question I had is which player's improvement is more integral, and it is Kirill Kaprizov. Listen, Pedersen has been bad, and that team has been bad. If Pedersen gets better, that team gets better. But if Kaprizov keeps this up, I'm not sure how long Minnesota can continue to be a top team in the Central Division. So far, so good. So far, he hasn't done anything in their 5-3-0. But if he is not able to turn it around, I don't see a way in which this team contends at all in that division. It's not the strongest of divisions. Again, two teams without a win. But it's a division that if he ends up with 12 goals on the season, which will be a massive disappointment for Minnesota fans and for hockey fans alike. If he only finishes with 12 goals on the season and is not at a ridiculous number of assists, then it's probably not going to be enough for the Minnesota Wild. They might make the playoffs. 
They might. But they're not going to do anything in the playoffs. Last year, at least, they took Vegas to seven games, and they could have very easily won that series. No such luck if Kirill Kaprizov is not performing this year. So, which player would I rather be on the hook for? Kirill Kaprizov. Which player would it, Which player is more integral to their team? Kirill Kaprizov. Not to say that Elias Pettersson getting better is not important, but, again, I side with the Russian. I'm going to take a quick break. When I return, Power Rankings 2.0, the November edition of the Hockey Hotbed Power Rankings. I'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN when you visit the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities, especially at sign up again. Promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. It's been a great show so far. I've enjoyed talking about Thrill, the Thrill Caprizo. Elias Pettersson talking a little bit about the undefeated Carolina Hurricanes, and I will talk about them again because they are a part of my Power Rankings 2.0 for the 2021-22 NHL season, the November edition here of my Power Rankings. When I look at this list in full, there are a lot of NRs next to the team name because they were not ranked previously, and I just kind of figure that's because the last time I did it was before the season some teams not expected to be as bad as they were some teams I did not expect to be as good as they were hence this list is the corrective list basically where all my hopes from the preseason for certain teams were diminished and where some teams just surprisingly are that much better than I thought so let's kick it off with number 10 Number 10. Number 10, I'm going with the New York Rangers. There were a lot of high hopes for the Rags coming into the season. Obviously, the last couple of seasons, they've been one of the most entertaining teams in the NHL. They have a really good young core of players, including now Norris Trophy winner Adam Fox, who is continuing to prove that he is just that damn good at the game of hockey. Specifically, if I look at this team and why they have been so good this year, including a perfect road trip in Canada, 3-0-0 as part of a larger 4-0-0 road trip early in the season. If I look at that, the main reason for that is because of the play of their goaltender, Igor Shesterkin. He has been absolutely phenomenal for the New York Rangers this season so far. In his last six games, I believe in five of them, he has only given up one goal, and he has over a 930 save percentage in all of those performances. The only outlier, a game against the Calgary Flames over the weekend. So when I think about this team that I did not rank 
in my first edition of Power Rankings, I think about the fact that they had a lot of expectations to meet. So far, so good in the Big Apple. I think the Rangers have played extremely well. Again, a lot of it on the back of their stellar goaltending performance from Igor Shosturkin. Number nine. The Colorado Avalanche down seven spots from their inaugural spot at number two, mainly because of the start they had to the season. Now, recently they've gotten a lot better. Three of the last four games they have won in very impressive fashion against some very good teams. The only loss in there is against the Vegas Golden Knights where they fell three to one. So, Yes, they came off to a bad start to start the season, but also they did not have Nathan McKinnon to start the season. He's still getting up to speed. They lost Gabe Landeskog for two games early in the season due to a suspension, and they're trying to integrate a new goaltender in Darcy Kemper. So they're starting to figure it out, which is why I did not want to bump them the whole way out, but I did bring them down to number nine because that start was so appalling that they had to lose some spots, and some teams were just that hot to start the season. So number nine, I have the Colorado Avalanche, but still look out for them because they're heating up. Number eight. I have the Winnipeg Jets. They have fallen in these rankings, but only two spots. Now, the majority of the reason that they have fallen is because their defense that I was so hopeful for at the beginning of this season, I thought, you know, you brought in Brendan Dillon, you brought in Nate Schmidt, I think there's time for Neil Pionk, Josh Morrissey. Those guys can take a step. No, it didn't work. This defense is still appalling. Connor Hellebuck is still on an island on his own for the most part. But, albeit, still winning games. They're still winning games. They're still contending in these games because of Connor Hellebuck, first and foremost. And secondly, because their offense is that damn good. I said when I did the first rankings, you need to watch out for Pierre-Luc Dubois this year. And so far, he is not disappointed. He has been absolutely stellar for the Winnipeg Jets. And that team, in a division, and I've said it so many times on this episode, in a division where you have two teams that have not won a game, the Winnipeg Jets are in a very good position to be a top team in that division and to get into a postseason spot. I know it's early. I don't want to talk about posting spots too much, but the Winnipeg Jets have impressed me with their offense and obviously Connor Hellybuck, but their defense has been putrid. Number seven. Number seven, a team that I didn't have ranked the first time around is the Washington Capitals. The team that's just a couple miles down the road from me. Why didn't I have them ranked? I had questions. Nick Backstrom's not going to be there to start the season. Who's going to play center for this team? Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek are decent goaltenders, but are they going to be able to take that step? Is this team that is one of the oldest teams in the NHL going to be able to get off on the right foot? Well, so far, all of those answers have been positive for the Washington Capitals. Obviously, it's not positive that Nick Backstrom is still injured. Obviously, it's not positive that they lost TJ Oshie to injury. But what is positive is Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek have been performing very well. This Washington Capitals team does not look old. And specifically, Alex Ovechkin does not look old. He's leading the league in goals once again to start. He already passed Marcel Dion. 
I said a couple weeks ago that Brett Hull does not have until Christmas until he is knocked down the list. I think I might need to change that answer to he does not have till Thanksgiving till he's knocked down the list because Alex Ovechkin has been dominant so far this season. This team is the second best team right now as far as standings in the Metropolitan Division, a division that has been so solid overall. I already mentioned the Rangers in this top 10 list. The Capitals are also that damn good. They have not lost in regulation as of this recording. They do play the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. But the Washington Capitals are my seventh ranked team. Number six. Number six. I got to respect the St. Louis Blues. I did not think they had a good lineup. I did not think they had a good team. They have shut me up so far in the season. Jordan Bennington has been very good. Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, it's the renaissance of Vladimir Tarasenko. We thought he wasn't even going to be on the Blues team, and now he is performing extremely well for them. Overall, this team has just been good. Pavel Buchnevich, good addition. Ryan O'Reilly, still performing. David Perron, still performing. And like I mentioned, Vladimir Tarasenko. Very nice to see him lighting the lamp, especially the way that he has. He scored some nasty goals. But I disrespected the St. Louis Blues, and now they're leading the Central Division. Maybe that's what they want. They want me to keep disrespecting them because that means good things for St. Louis, but I can't disrespect them that much. They've been good. They're my sixth-ranked team. Number five. The Calgary Flames. Leading the Pacific Division right now. Previously not ranked by me. A lot of it on the hands of Jacob Markstrom who is leading the league in goals saved above average. And is just overall, I mean, again, I don't do trophy trackers this early into the season, but if I did, Freddie Anderson and Jacob Markstrom, head-to-head for the Vesna. That's, that's what it is. Specifically, the last couple of games, Jacob Markstrom has been absolutely ridiculous between the pipes for the Calgary Flames. It's what they wanted last season when they signed him. You look at Johnny Gaudreau got his first goal last Thursday against the Penguins. Matthew Kachuk is looking pretty good. Sean Monahan looking pretty good. Andrew Mangiapane, a really, really good start to the season. Same with Elias Lindholm. This team is looking like the Calgary Flames that won the Pacific Division a couple years ago. Now that's to start. Whether or not they can continue this, I don't know. I think, in my opinion, they're in the weakest division in the league. And that's with the Atlantic being, at least the bottom of the Atlantic being what it is. So the Calgary Flames are fifth. Number four. I wanted to put them fourth, but I did not want to drop the Tampa Bay Lightning that far. The Tampa Bay Lightning have dropped three spots from my inaugural ranking where they were the leaders. They're my number four ranked team right now. And I know a lot of you might be saying, but they were bad to start the season. And they were. They were. You also have to think about the fact that, you know, Stanley Cup hangover. I'm invoking that on the Tampa Bay Lightning for their start. And also the fact that they lost Nikita Kucherov. And they had to adjust to playing without Kucherov because you have to play a different type of game. I know the game doesn't seem too different, but you have to adjust your game plan 
when a player like that goes out of the lineup for an extended period of time. The Lightning have adjusted. Again, they play the Capitals tonight, as I mentioned earlier. So this is before that. But the Tampa Bay Lightning, as of late, have started to heat back up, have started to look like, oh, they won the last two Stanley Cups. Yeah, they're that good. So yes, they dropped from their top spot. But I'm not going to drop them that far because they started to play better, and I'm sure that's going to continue. Once they figure stuff out, it's going to continue. Starts to seem like they're figuring it out. And Andre Vasilevsky, once again, starting to figure it out after a bad start to the season. Number four is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Number three. The Edmonton Oilers. Up six spots from the initial rankings. The Oilers, I still have questions about. But you know what? Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are that damn good. They are that good. The question to me, the only question that I had about Connor McDavid was, was his ridiculous, ungodly pace from last season due to being in the North Division? And the answer is no, he's just that good. He is just a cheat code. And he continues that. And Leon Dreisaitl continues that. And they added Zach Hyman, who is putting in goals left and right. Jesse Puyoyarvi playing well. They seem like they have started to figure it out. The one big question mark for me with them still is goaltending. Miko Koskinen is going to get a larger load due to the injury of Mike Smith, and I'm not sure how long that dam's going to hold. I said the same exact thing when I ranked them at number nine preseason, but the way that I've seen McDavid and Dreisaitl play matched with that division, matched with Zach Hyman, matched with Miko Koskinen being better so far, I'm going to put them at number six. Sorry, at number three, up six spots from the last ranking. Number two. My number two team is the Carolina Hurricanes. It would be easy to put the last remaining undefeated team as the number one team. But looking at these two teams, I still have... I, I don't know if I want to trust Freddie Anderson quite yet. I know I talked about him early in this episode, and he has been ridiculous completely and utterly ridiculous. But when I look at the goaltending situations, Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta versus the team that's number one, I'm going with the team that's number one. Overall, which team is better? I mean, a seven-game series between these two teams, between the Carolina Hurricanes and my number one, my new number one, would be absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> I would love nothing more than to see that. So the Carolina Hurricanes at number two. I don't want to go into them too much more because, you know, I talked about them earlier in the episode being the last undefeated team in the NHL. 8-0-0. Number one. The number one team for my Hockey Hotbed Power Rankings 2.0, the November edition. The number one team is the Florida Panthers. They lost their head coach from Joel Quenville for good reason. And they just kept on going. Even the game they lost, they, they performed pretty well. But I look at this team. Alexander Barkov is playing on a whole new level. He is still, I, I said that he's not underrated at the outset of this season. He is still vastly underrated because he is 
that much better than people are still giving him credit for. People are saying he's good now, but he's better than what they're saying still. He's improving. Jonathan Huberto, also, really good start to the season. They have a lot of pieces down there that you wouldn't think, oh, this is going to be a top-tier piece. Sam Bennett, scoring-wise, is a top-tier piece right now. Sam Reinhardt hasn't gone off, but he's played well. Anthony Duclair, a great start to the season. And on the back end, Aaron Ekblad. Talk about a guy that's underrated. Came into the league as a top draft pick. Was overrated for a while. Had some bad seasons, but he is back. He had a really good season last year before the injury. And he's picking up where he left off. He's playing very well. So the Florida Panthers, which I previously ranked 7th, are my new number one. And the main, main reason for it, like I said, if I look at Carolina's goaltending and I look at Florida's goaltending, I'm taking the Panthers. Sergei Bobrovsky has been Vezina Sergei Bobrovsky so far this year. Did I see it coming? No. Does anybody ever? Not really. We know he has it in there, but eventually he just pops off and we're just left with our hands out, not understanding how he is still this good. And Spencer Knight behind him. Yeah, I would take Spencer Knight and Sergei Bobrovsky over Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta. So that is the list. New York Rangers at 10. Colorado Avalanche at 9. Winnipeg Jets at 8. Washington Capitals at 7. St. Louis Blues at 6. Calgary Flames at 5. Tampa Bay Lightning at 4. Edmonton Oilers at 3. Carolina Hurricanes at 2. And the Florida Panthers. My new number one ranked team. For the month of November. That's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you really liked this episode and you really like the podcast, share it with your friends. Let them know. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. And please, please, please download the episode so I know where you're tuning in from. I love seeing the map light up all across the globe with the listeners here at the Hockey Hotbed. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. And we'll see you guys on Friday. Have a good week, hockey fans.